my goal in terms of finances was to be able to pay myself back for the yes. expenses that I've put in. So that was the number one. Mm-hmm. Anything above and beyond that is bonus. And so I have done that and I feel good about that. If you are interested in making money on your books, one thing that you want to consider if you're writing YA is that series are so important. Uh, yes. It is if you look into YA books, they are almost all series, like in any genre of YA, fantasy, romance, almost all of those are a series because you, when you pitch to one reader, if you have six books in your series, you are now getting that one reader hooked on all six books. Well, I'm so excited to have you today, Chantel. I really appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us about your book, your YA book. And then also we can talk a little bit about your book that just released this week. And I'm so excited for you. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So let's just get right into the nitty gritty. You wrote a YA novel. I did. And I will tell you, I have toyed with the idea of writing um, for young adults. And I decided Gen Z kind of scares me a little bit. And <laughs> it's fair. they're like uber critical and they kind of got their own language. And I just decided, you know, what? I'm probably not the right person to write for them. And so um, I do have younger siblings who fall into this category. So I sure. might come from that like experience. <laughs> but how was it for you? How did you approach writing a story for a specific audience that was age specific? that does feel like sometimes like they have their own language. They kind of have their own thing. Absolutely. That is a really good question. So I am a high school teacher by trade. And so I've been stay-at-home mom while I've been having my babies, but I love like young people. I love youth. And my husband is a youth pastor by trade. And so he, his job trains and equips youth leaders across Canada. And so we're just are really passionate about that age group. And where I feel like people get hung up, which it sounds like maybe you are as well, is on the, well, I can't speak to them because I don't know their language. I don't know what their slang is and will it sound weird. And so the most important thing I think when I'm approaching, at least for me, writing inspirational fiction is I'm not trying to be them. Mm. I'm trying to write in a way that will mentor them. Mm. And so- I'm writing about a young teenage girl. I've been a young teenage girl. I think that there are issues that span generations, right? right. So it's, yeah, there are, there's dialect that might change, but the core of identity and relationships and family, that stuff doesn't change. Mm-hmm. And so we know those things and we can speak to those things through fiction, which is really helpful in a way that will guide, in a way that will entertain, in a way that will mentor without trying to be like, I don't even know. I can't even think of like a weird phrase, right? Yeah. So it's like, I there's a, occasionally I'm, I will think, oh, should I say like fit check or something? <laughs> like, no, yeah. that's not me. I wouldn't say that. And so I'm trying to write in a way that's a little bit more universal. Mm-hmm. It's accessible. And it's just like those general themes where, like any woman. Yeah. It's written right. for a teenage girl, but any woman could pick it up and be like, Oh, I remember because that was me 20 years ago. Does so yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And that's a really, that's probably a really great way to approach it. But how do you handle the fact that, for example, a friend of mine was telling me about their story that they have, that they're writing for young and they're setting it kind of modern times. And I think your book is kind of set. It is it's current. Yeah. Right. It's current. 
But yet they weren't taking into consideration the fact that like the teens of today communicate mainly versus text. They don't. Right. Like, there's just certain certain nuances that are very much like particular to that generation. So how do you, how did you approach handling things like that um, and being true to what a teenager would experience today, especially when your story is set in today? Right. So that's a really great point. And so I think that there's a cautions that you have to take. Um, I remember growing up reading um, and I, I remember thinking, oh, they haven't actually named an amount. It's like, oh, she got her paycheck, but they didn't actually like name an amount. Mm -hmm. There's like um, types of writing that where you leave things vague right. and it allows for that gap of time. So it allows a story to age better mm -hmm. because you're not going to actually say specific artists or specific mm -hmm. movie titles or specific payment amounts. And I think that there's something that we can do there where we are slightly more vague, um, but also speak to what is generally considered what a teenager would be now. So for example, my character in the story, she uses FaceTime a lot mm -hmm. and she's communicating like with memes and she like she the boy that she likes like he's sending her memes or gifs or right those kinds of things and and so um and that that feels authentic right that feels authentic to what exactly to what would to yeah. what teenagers would do what they would be communicating like mm -hmm. but I'm not getting into the nitty-gritty of like she's on Snapchat and she's on right. TikTok right uh, or they're doing like maybe it's when I talk about, um, I, I'll say video chat or I will say um, FaceTime sometimes, but I'll usually say social media or social mm -hmm. versus Instagram or Facebook. Because right. when you use Instagram or Facebook or TikTok, you don't know. Like Instagram could like implode tomorrow. It we've, could. Seen, we've seen that it's possible. <laughs> and so if you use like Instagram in your writing, then all of a sudden you are at risk of dating yourself if mm -hmm. Instagram goes belly up, for example. And so I think we can talk about social media. It's going to be around forever. Texting, phones, like those kinds right. of things. And so you you lean towards the generic in, in the vague. As much in as that possible. Yeah. Right. I like how you explain that because that way you make it the characters relatable right. to this generation, but not, like you said, not date yourself. And so that's right. good. So did you have any of the youth that you work with? Did you have any of them be your beta readers? They weren't beta readers, but they have been some of the first readers. Okay. So yes, absolutely. Uh, I had my most recent, and I feel like I've made it. I, I had, I talked to a, um, a young person that I don't know. She's in grade nine and she used my book as a book report. I'm like, oh, I've oh made it. My I've made it. I've officially like, yeah. that's it. I don't, I check all the boxes. Right. So that's kind of fun. <laughs> Do you consider your novel Christian? Yes. Like Christian, because you use the term inspirational. The story, the main character is, her basic story arc is finding peace with God. And mm. so there are, there's romance, there's adventure, there's coming of age, all of those things. But the main story arc is she's got to make peace with the fact that she's angry at God. So, okay. So she, it's not a conversion story. No. And did you do that on purpose? Yeah. I wanted it to be a little more complicated because mm -hmm. life is more complicated. And I've read a lot of Christian romances, which I love, grew up reading. And it's sometimes like super cookie cutter, like you've got a girl that, or a boy that is not Christian and they find Jesus and that's great. Mm -hmm. uh, 
but sometimes life is just a lot more complicated. You know, when I was a teen and I was reading those same, probably those same Christian novels <laughs> yeah. that you're talking about. Yeah. And there was a point in time when I stopped reading them because yeah. I thought this doesn't look my, like my life at all. Yeah. I don't really relate to this. I want to see a character who has already gotten on the side of like, I believe in God. Mm-hmm. And now she's struggling with that or she's yeah. working through that. Or how does that show up in her everyday life? And yeah. I didn't ever really see myself in those. Mm-hmm. And I think this next generation of teens are even more astute to that. They're even more like yeah, uh, aware of how of the complexities of the world, I think, because of the fact that they have access to so right. many people and so many situations and so much news that they're just really like hyper aware of how kind of messed yeah. up the world is. And, and, so more, need, and more critical of the church. More, exactly. As and they so should be. They should be. And so they need writing that's authentic and talks about the faith walk just as much as mm-hmm. anything else, you know? Yeah. So I appreciate that you did that. Thank you. So having said all that, you were very intentional <laughs> about crafting this novel that would relate to the teenager, would re, um, really speak to her heart, kind of mentor mm-hmm. her. I love that phrasing that you use so how do you market this book because oh, so that teenager is not the one <laughs> buying the book yes. let's be honest <laughs> listen Rachel that is that is the question and I'm telling you I feel like this is why people are afraid of writing children's books writing YA books um, because they just they're like I don't want to dance on TikTok how right. am I supposed to reach these readers. How am I supposed to do it? And so what is really important is when you are writing YA and, and people forget this sometimes, I feel like it's more obvious when you're writing children's lit, but when you're writing children's lit, when you're writing YA, you have to have a primary audience and you have to have a secondary audience Mm -hmm. and your primary audience is the one that you write for. So you create your avatar as you do. And you think about, okay, for my avatar, it's a 16 year old girl, you know, where does she shop? What does she like to read? What does she like to do? What's her family life look like? So that's the person I'm thinking of when I'm writing mm-hmm. and I want to write for her, for her heart. Where, where are her pain points? Where is she confused? Right. And I develop that as I I'm writing. Mm-hmm. And then once I'm done writing, I shift to my secondary audience and my secondary audience, um, same thing. Who is my avatar? But those are the people who are buying my books because Mm -hmm. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, teenagers are not buying books. Mm -hmm. You know, there are teens that love to read, but if they've got an extra 20 bucks, the likelihood of them going to a bookstore and buying it Mm -hmm. uh, is so rare. And the likelihood of them going to a bookstore and buying your book is even more rare, especially if you're an indie publisher like me. And so I knew that going in. And so I'm like, I said to my husband, like, this is what he does, right? Like, there are not teens on my social right, media. That's and true. I, yeah. I don't think they would want to be there if I was there. And so <laughs> if I go to TikTok, they're probably going to find somewhere else, right? right? And so- Now, I to be think- honest, there are some authors who can pull that off. There are yes. some authors who are like, they just kind of, their personalities are a good fit yes, for that kind of true. like working, like talking directly to the teen, but the majority of us are not. Yes. The majority of us, it's a struggle. And so mm-hmm. kudos. I love when those people are like, it's phenomenal to see, mm-hmm. um, but that's not me. And right. so I am marketing my book to my secondary audience, which is the mothers and the grandmothers. And so I have a specific 
avatar that I think about when I'm marketing and that, and what is their pain point? And you know what? I'm marketing my book to the mothers and the grandmothers who desperately want to see their grandchildren or their, their granddaughters and their daughters um, following Jesus. And Mm -hmm. they don't know how to reach them. They don't know how to encourage their faith. And so what's an easy way in to encourage their faith? And it's like, Oh, I can buy them a book that is clean. That's wholesome. That's entertaining, but that has a really strong message across Canada. I'm not sure if this would apply to the States, but there was a research project done and it was called renegotiating faith. And they studied why teenagers as they enter emerging adulthood, um, why they leave the church. And specifically the, the research project was done on teens who, um, are church teens, why do they leave the church? And, and the number one reason was because they didn't have a mentor. And so Mm -hmm. this is a poor substitute, like literature is a poor substitute, but if you can offer them that, like, if you can offer them something, like, I would love to say that, you know what, like Robin Jones gun was a mentor to me when I was a teenager. I saw your real Or you're like showing all her books. Every single book she's ever written, I have on my shelf. And so she mentored me. And I mean, listen, I, I became, I like my favorite verses were ones that she put into her literature and I like had spiritual moments because of her books. And so I would love to think that that is going to be something that I could do. So that's when I'm marketing, I'm, I'm pitching to my secondary audience. I I love your approach to that. So what I'm hearing from you is that when you're crafting the product, which is yes. the novel, mm-hmm. you're keeping the primary audience in mind. Right. But when you, and a little bit of the secondary as well, yes, because you're going to create the the novel that will meet the needs of both audiences, right? Exactly. The pain points are, you know, they're very similar. They, yeah. It's like they're, it's kind of like this meshing of the two yeah, together. It's great. And then, um, but when it comes to the marketing, you're mm-hmm. going to focus on that secondary. Exactly reader and um and person that you are trying to reach so mm-hmm. what kind of marketing things have you done now you mentioned you were indie author yes I am and so um I would love to talk a little bit more about like that decision how did you sure. make that decision to go the self-publishing route but before we get into that what kind of marketing things have you been able to do to yeah. get your book in front of that secondary reader absolutely so there's a lot like you can be as busy as you want to be Right. So before sometimes too busy. Right. So before you even start thinking about marketing, I really advise every writer, especially indie writers, what do you hope to achieve? Mm. And so for me, it was not selling a million copies of my book. That would be fantastic. But my goal is I want to spread hope to young women. And Mm -hmm. how can I do that? So for every book that's sold, I know that that's going to the hands of somebody that's going to be encouraged, hopefully, by it. And so right, it's not about a number. And so it, because if sometimes if you set a number, then that's great. It motivates you, but it can also be discouraging if if your goals are like really, really lofty and and you push yourself and then you feel like a failure. So setting some clear goals and knowing like, I don't care if I'm famous. I'm a famous, I don't, like that doesn't, I just want to write. And but I want to spread hope. When you're saying goals, are you, are you picking any goals that are measurable? Yeah. Yeah. You should like, you can like, it can be measurable. Like for me, like, like having somebody that's done a book report on my book, like, yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Cause then there are classes hearing about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's some things that are like just authentic spread of Mm -hmm. good news. Right. Right. Um, And so you can have measurable goals. You can have like a specific number of books that you'd like to sell in a specific amount of time. And I think that that's helpful. Um, But Making sure that it's 
within your realm of possibility. Right. Is going to be realistic really about them. Yeah. Yeah. So that you're not discouraged by it is, is going to be really important. Right. So for me, uh, I, I had kind of an idea of what I wanted to accomplish and my community has been phenomenal. So uh, I was able to do a whole bunch of local book signings. My book has been in um, any bookstore that within driving range. So if you are an indie author, you can get your book into books on uh, bookstores on consignment, which is great. And Did then you just go into each store. Yep. You I just, just went in. Some- Grassroots yeah. marketing yeah. there, right? Yeah. I like, here's my book. And what has been phenomenal is that uh, when you put together a really solid product, mm-hmm. like it will often sell. And so put the time and effort into the, on the front end. Make sure that your book, especially if it, you publish it yourself, that it looks like a real quality book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, it's done really well. And all of the consignment shops, I have, a, I have to keep going back. This is the only downside. Make sure you're within driving range. Keep going back and bringing them books. And they've all done book signings. They've done really well. And then I also was able to do a library tour. And I mean, it's okay. fantastic, right? So that... people would rule out libraries. Why? Yeah. Because they're like, well, I'm not going to sell books there, which is the or thing. That's... Like, especially if you're an indie author, author, like how do I even get into the library? Right. You know? And so that's why I think it's important. So for me, selling books was great, but also reaching my audience where they're at was important. And that's why when I marked out, what do I hope to accomplish? I didn't want to rule out libraries because I wanted to be able to go to those people. It's a, I think and I had read, I don't remember where I read it, but there was a statistic put out that the majority of readers don't purchase a book first. They read it at the library first and then they purchase it. Absolutely. Which blows my mind. Not, not that they would go to the library first, because that's how I, Mm -hmm. I grew up doing that and I still do do Mm -hmm. that today, but that they would purchase it after they've gone to the library and read it. Absolutely. And so I think sometimes we have in our mind, like, oh, the library reader is going to end Mm-hmm. their relationship with you after they're done reading that book. But that's not necessarily true. They might pick up the book and keep it on their bookshelf. They might order it they, after exactly. they read it and love it or so buy much. it for somebody else. Or, exactly. You know. And so for me, when I did this library tour, and so uh, you just have to ask, really. Um, I asked, I thought, surely there's no, my book is very overtly Christian. Right. You know, libraries are public spaces but they, they're just happy to have people. Libraries right. are offering things. And so um, they actually paid my way. They, I traveled around our province and oh. went to a, a bunch of libraries. And at each spot, I got to talk with readers and share about the book, ask questions. I was allowed to sell books at the libraries, uh, really? which is, I didn't realize that I would be allowed to do that. I, I signed I them. I sold either. them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. People were there ready to buy them. Um, and then the libraries, each library I went to bought a copy of my book and put it on their shelves. That's and awesome. so I often, <laughs> I did this today. Uh, I will check because you can Google your name and the library catalog and uh, all of my books were out. And so I'm That's like, so cool. right now, someone that I don't know has my book and is reading it. And so it's That's really fun. Awesome. Yeah. So, so cool. I encourage you, you have a public library, use that resource. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. There's, um, there's a marketing concept out there that you, I, I've heard it said different ways, but like the hub and spoke mm-hmm. or the gatekeeper is what they're kind of, so you find the hub that leads out to the different spokes, right? Yeah. So the library is the hub that then leads out to the spokes of different individuals Absolutely. or they can be, or you can consider it that they're the gatekeeper to a new community mm-hmm. of people. Absolutely. And so it's, I would have never thought of libraries as being mm-hmm. that 
but that's a really great point. And I'm glad you brought it up. And you don't know who you're going to meet. Yeah. Like what opportunities might present themselves to you because you make a connection. Mm -hmm. So just like you said, like it could be a spoke off, right? Right. Amazing. Somebody might've seen you at the library and then might invite you to come speak to another group, right? And there is something I'm, I'm telling you, I, I listened to a speaker who encouraged you to sell your books at the back of the room. And if you can like get yourself in front of a group of people and sell your books at the back of the room, like mm-hmm. I have pushed as many books as I've sold on Amazon, I've pushed the same amount, if not more of my own physical copies, because I've just hit the ground running and brought mm-hmm. my books. Right. Yeah. And so there's, there's ways to share your your story. Did you have a certain number of copies you wanted to hit? Because it's only been out since May, right? It's only been out since May. Yeah. I'd Is like there... to have by the end of the first year, I'd love to sell 2,000. Okay. So are you close to that goal or do I'm we probably, need to help you out? <laughs> I'm probably about a third of the way there. Okay. If I had to guess. So it's harder to keep track of your own copies. But Yeah. But you have I'm, to be really like diligent with like spreadsheet, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I so took this little... money to the library yeah. and I came home with this money. <laughs> yeah. And my neighbor came over and they yeah. wanted a couple copies. And so, yeah. yeah, so it's fun. But it's honestly, the the best stories have been, you know, you get your, you you have these ripple circles. So, you know, your family and friends, they're going to buy your book. They're going to mm-hmm. support you. They may not even read it. My sister, right. I don't think has read my book yet. So that's fine. Uh, and then your ripples go out and then it's the next, like strangers are walking past chapters mm-hmm. and they're picking up my book and, you know, they're gifting, right. those people are giving their book. And so the ripples go out and it becomes more and more fun. And so right. for me, it's great. It's going to be there. I can sell it. I just wanted my book out. Right. And so it's there. That's, and to answer your previous question, why did say, I choose? Let's pivot it to that conversation <laughs> yeah. right now. Um, how did you choose to go the indie route? So I didn't um, even see it as an option. And and this okay. is, uh, I mean, maybe I'm like backpedaling. And so uh, when I first wrote, started like, I'm going to write this book, I started looking at the options and like traditional publishing just seemed like a slog. I wanted my yeah. book. If I was going to put two years, that's what yeah. it took. If I was going to put two years of work into getting this, I needed a guarantee. I mm-hmm. I have three young kids. I was not interested in querying agents and like doing that runaround. Yeah. Also, I where I'm Canadian, there are no um, l- like legit nationwide Christian publishing companies. Here. That's interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah, there are some hybrids um, okay. that are a little bit sketchy or or very old fashioned and so they're a little sus as the kids these days yeah so I mean I did a little bit of google searching I tried to see something if there was and so most most Canadians who are buying um Christian lit they're getting it from the states and so okay that's just the way that it is but the border, like the international thing was complicated and I didn't even know if they would be interested in a more Canadian story. And so I just, it, and then they're saying, well, if you get somebody that will represent you, then if they are find a publishing company, like there were so many ifs. And then it was, if you do get signed, it's two years. Right. No, thank you. I just wanted, I just needed to hold my book in my hands. And that was my first goal. Like, I just want it on my own bookshelf. I don't, mm-hmm. that's it. And then I'm like, I just wanted to be able to share. I felt like I was a mom trapped at home, not being able to 
do ministry. Mm. And it's like, I wanted something that's going to serve these people. And so those were my steps. I'm like, self-publishing just seemed like this is a guarantee. Yes. And I could be in control. I could be in the driver's seat with the time, with, with the pictures, the images, the, the words, the whole thing. It was, it was my decision. Um, and it also means that it's my money and my work, you know, boots on the ground. But, uh, I really was, I've been very happy with my decision. It's not always the easier route, but exactly like <laughs> every each route has its own hard and we have to choose what hard is exactly right for us on this podcast I want to be really authentic and real about the difficulties with publishing mm-hmm. traditionally like mm-hmm. I don't want people to feel like I'm discounting it or ever no. like saying like you shouldn't do that but I do want to be realistic like you're saying like it is a slog and there is no guarantee no. whereas if you're in the driver's seat and you're publishing, there is a guarantee. The guarantee relies on you. At the end of the day, if that book doesn't go out, that's because of you, right? right? And you have to, you're the one holding yourself accountable. Whereas with traditional publishing, there are so many different um, hurdles to jump Mm -hmm. before you even get there. And by the end of it, you are no longer in the driver's seat. And so you have to decide like which route you really want to go. Like, Mm -hmm. and um, you know, it's, they're both valid valid routes, but mm-hmm. it is, it is helpful for us to be realistic about the situation at hand with the traditional publishing world that it is. And one of the things I really liked about what you said, um, um, about, um, just the way that you're approaching it and your goals for your book and having those really outlined, a traditional publisher might not have had the same goals for you. And where that vision of yours, like the book report, right? Like that, yeah. that, that was like one of those things that made your heart glad. Like that requires things like willing to go to library mm-hmm. tours and stuff, which at the end of the day, you know, there, whether or not a traditional publisher is going to give you a marketing budget or not is all yeah. up in the air too, based off of how many sales they think they can generate from your book. Um, but I think that the way that you spoke about your desire and your goals for your, your story, Mm -hmm. it only makes sense that you would have to go the indie route because I don't know that a, a um, business like a traditional publisher would have had the same sort of end goals for your book. I do have another point on marketing. If you are thinking about your goals um, and perhaps your goal is gosh, I really would like to make money. So mm-hmm. my, like I, my goal in terms of finances was to be able to pay myself back for the yes. expenses that I put in. So that was the number one, mm-hmm. anything above and beyond that is bonus. And so I've done that and I feel good about that, but maybe you actually would love to be able to have this as an income or maybe a side income, right. uh, although side income probably because, uh, I have heard like a very, um, you know, seasoned professional uh in the editing business say like stick to your day job because yes. you can't make much money off of mm-hmm. selling books so that's a side thing but uh if you are interested in making money on your books one thing that you want to consider if you're writing YA is that series are so important uh yes. it is if you look into YA books they are almost all series Um, like in any genre of YA, fantasy, um, romance, almost all of those are a series because you 
when you pitch to one reader, if you have six books in your series, you are now getting that one reader hooked on all six books. Right. Um, if you are marketing, so for Amazon ads specifically, um, you are only marketing book one. So you dig hard into your first book of the series because all you need them to do is buy that buy first, first book, one and then they come mm. back for the second, third, fourth, fifth. And so you don't have to do an Amazon ad for every book one, two, three, four, five. Um, you are only doing Amazon ads for book one. And and so you really want to consider um the the framework of what you're doing when you are starting to write. And so my book is going to be a four book series. And even my children's book that I just released is going to be a series because I want there to be a buyback mm -hmm. on all of my readers. And so that there is a return on the amount. So I, I'm pitching to you, Rachel, but I know that you're coming back. And right. when, when you look at the reviews, even on children's books, when you look at the reviews, it's like, oh, I love Mo Willems. I, he's my favorite author. Yeah. I want to come back for every one of his books. Right. And I'm so excited that there's a new book from Mo Willems. And so you want to create that buzz around you. And so that's right. like, gosh, I love Robin Jones Gunn's books. I have them all. I, I can't wait for right. another one. And so people are hooked on you and they're watching to see what's coming next. And so there's that kind of um, buzz. And so for money-making, older women will be like, oh, it's a Christmas book. It's a one-off or it's a one romance. And so, right. you know, women, older, you know, whatever age will buy the one-offs, mm -hmm. but you want to think about the series. Yeah. I think you made a really important point there about um, the buy-in to you, the author. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we get sometimes, especially as fiction writers, we're like, this yeah. is my story yeah. and it's this little world and it exists mm -hmm. out within, like from me, but outside of me. And yeah. we think that that's the thing we're marketing, but it's really not. No. We're marketing the experience we can give the reader, right? Absolutely. So like the novel is just the tool, but the reader knows at the end of the day that we're the one that gave them the experience mm -hmm. and they get hooked on the, uh, the fact that we created this opportunity for them, we created this experience for them and they mm -hmm. come back to us. So like when you're saying like, oh, I love Mo Willems, like I love the experience of sitting with my kids and chuckling yeah. alongside of them, right? Yeah. That's an experience. And that's why I keep coming back to him because I know he can deliver on that. Absolutely. Same thing with, you know, a series like this is this um, author made me experience this thing. I'm going to come back for it again. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, huh, I can always come back to them because I know yes. they're trustworthy. I can trust them to give me this experience. And so, yes, we're marketing a novel to somebody. But at the end of the day, this is why personal brand is so important. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, they're becoming invested in us yes. to give them that thing that they're looking for. And so um, that's why we do things on social media. That's why mm -hmm. we do the marketing that we do is because it helps solidify in, in the buyer's mind that they are going to be able to receive the thing that they're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting that you say that thinking about the importance of once you've created your personal brand, like sticking to your personal brand. Yep. Uh, you know, I think of like Adam Sandler this is the what popped into my mind. Like I, you know, used to grow up loving his, all those, these funny mm -hmm. movies. And then he released like a super serious movie that right. we went to watch because it was Adam Sandler. And we're like, crazy disappointed 
what did I just watch? What, right. what was it? And it's not saying that you have to pigeonhole yourself into one specific thing, but you need to be mindful that if you veer off from your personal brand, what you've created for your reader, that you are at risk of disappointing mm-hmm. who is following you. So if you are writing, you know, closed door romances, and then all of a sudden you release something that's not that, right. uh, you're going to have some pretty upset people. And, and that's so, not, and that's not about necessarily about genre either, because no. you can write like you're writing in different genres, right? Like I am, YA yeah. and, and children's, children's, but at the heart of it, what you're doing is providing a clean, fun, mm-hmm. entertaining exactly. story that draws on drawing closer to the Lord. Right. Exactly. Yep. So that faith element of it. So like at the heart of it, mm. you're providing a certain experience, a certain, um, yeah, a certain experience for that reader, regardless of the tool that you're using. But the example that you gave is two totally different experiences for the reader, yes. right? And that's why yeah. it's jarring. Exactly. So you just want to be cautious. It's not saying that you can't ever do something new, right? It's just be mindful of who has bought into you and what yes. you are offering them. And right. as you write, as you market, try to to stick inside of that box right? or else let them know very clearly up front, Hey, I'm doing something different. It's totally new. This is going to be mm-hmm. really new. You're, you're not necessarily going to be who I'm trying to reach with this. And so yes. just being clear with that, I think it's going to be important. Yeah. So good. So wise. Really appreciate that. Well, we're getting close to the end of our time together. And I want to make sure that we talk about your brand new, your brand new book and what you've yes. got coming out soon Yes, in the pipeline. Um, and I just want to, I just, I was looking at your books and I was like, does she have a thing for lobsters? <laughs> right. <laughs> this is like, I can't, this is when you write what you know. Right. We, so I live in New Brunswick, Canada. So we are as East coasty as we get North of Maine. And so um, we like our lobsters. We like our seafood and it seems to become my thing. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't like, that's not my personal brand people. <laughs> Let me just like make that very clear. The next yeah. book will not have as many lobsters, but yeah. So I've got my first um, book and this is going to be, like talked about the series. This is the Sadie Jones series. Hope at the ocean's edge is the first book but I've written the manuscript for the second book. It will be a Harbor for broken hearts and it's coming out hopefully in the spring, maybe summer. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> and I released uh, my first children's book yesterday uh, and it's called Lester, the lobster and the great escape. It's Which do you have it by you? Can you hold it up? I don't have it by me. Okay. So that's well. all right. That's it's okay. here somewhere. I, I, the reason is because my kids took it to read at bedtime. So uh, it's probably in one of my children's beds. <laughs> oh, that is so sweet. Oh my gosh. That's so adorable. I'll tell you this. If you write children's books. So I was excited about my first book, but there was zero buy-in from my children. Mm-hmm. They were so excited when the proof copy arrived. It was like better than Christmas morning. So <laughs> that's so awesome. <laughs> my kids are begging me to write them story. They're like, mom, can you write a story for us? And I'm like, yes. maybe <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Great. No. It's not normally what I write, but storytelling. Hey, you do story anything telling. for your, yeah, exactly. Yeah, anything right. for your kids, anything for your kids. So your book is coming out in the spring. We can yes. look forward to that. We yeah. can read your first book in the series and where can we find you on the internet? Where can we I am, hang out with you? I'm 
all the places, um, but I'm not dancing anywhere. So you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I am on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Chantel J. McDonald. And I'm, uh, I have my books. Both of my books are on Amazon in all marketplaces. Before we go, what advice do you have for that author who wants to write YA and is in like the throes of trying to navigate the whole business side, the writing side, all the, all the sides? What do you advice do you have for them? Talk to a teen, like mm-hmm. just talk to one, like find one. You don't have to become like a mentor or, or any of that stuff, but find a teenager in your life. Surely, you know, someone at your church in your family and ask what they like to read, ask what they're going through. Just talk to them and get their input. Say, Hey, I'm interested in writing a book. Right. What kind of things. And so you get their feedback on that and then really have a lot of grace with yourself as you try to navigate it. And if you want, like you can get teens to be your beta readers and give you feedback if you're concerned about that part of it. But otherwise your primary audience and your secondary audience, keep both of those in mind. Great advice. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I think this has been a gold nugget filled episode and <laughs> I'm so, so excited fun. so excited for writers who are going to listen to your wise advice and create wonderful novels for young adults and be able to sell them because <laughs> so, that's the key right we got to get them into yes. the hands of get the readers those into the hands of the readers absolutely yeah. serve your audience so I wish everyone just all the best as they try to do that well thank you very much and thank you for listening join us back here next week as we continue to talk about the business of Christian fiction 